Welcome to Ghost Stories with Franz and Pete. I'm your co-host, Franz. And I'm Pete. Let's talk about the internet. Welcome to episode 10 of Ghost Stories with Franz and Pete. And today we have a special guest. Uh, His name is Frank, and he's one of our engineers, and he's going to be telling us what he does and, you know, what kind of keeps him up at night uh, in terms of the Wild West and uh, land of the Internet. Uh, But before we jump into all of that, we do have a very special promotion code for all of you listeners. So thank you for our literal thousands of listeners now here on episode 10. Uh, but we we would like to give you 50% off for life to uh, our premium subscription. So at checkout, if you just use coupon code uh, episode 10, and that's episode and then the number 10 at uh, checkout, you will get our premium services for life at 50% off. What more could so, you want? I mean, I right? guess free forever would be cool, but then this podcast would get really boring really quick because we'd have nothing to talk about because we'd be living in the streets. Exactly. And actually, on that note, to conclude that, uh, we this is our 10th episode, and it's going to be our final one for the season. And uh, you know, with that, I guess we'll introduce Frank. Uh, so, Frank, thank you for coming on to the podcast. Thank you for taking the time out of your day uh, to sit down and talk with me and Pete. Uh, but uh, yeah, if you'd like to just give yourself an introduction to our users, let them know uh, who you are and what you do for Ghostery and kind of like what brought you here. Who are you, Frank? This is the deepest question you're going to get all day, too. Yeah, um, my name's Frank. I'm a lead backend engineer at Ghostery. Um, work on all things privacy and security, uh, mostly focusing on our new desktop product, uh, Midnight, but also work a lot on our infrastructure, so our payment systems and our login and account and all that fun stuff um yeah so that's that's what i do at ghost Tree. nice well thanks for you know getting us you know uh up and set up with all of our products and getting us uh you know hooked up where we need to be so that we can actually provide these services to the users that we do have um and i know i think that's upwards of now what eight million seven million how many users do we actually have seven billion. Oh, billion. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> somewhere in that range. You know, somewhere in that. Somewhere other. in that range. We're it's uh yeah we've had it we've had a good growth spurt here. But um yeah so Frank uh, was part of the the new group that came like the first new group that came in after um, for those of you who have been following along in the podcast episode two where we talked about kind of the uh, the growth and the and the lineage of Ghostry the product and the company. Um, so after we uh, split with the Evadon team and joined the Clicks team. There were about five, five of us, five or six of us there for a little bit, and we were starting to finally grow out the team. And Frank was part of the first wave of new talent, um, and he's obviously uh, sh- uh, strutted his stuff pretty well because now he's just running the place. So, um, so we're super happy to have you there. Wouldn't go that far, but thank you, <laughs> Bob. We're going to go that fast. That's exactly how it happened. And if anybody says, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so let's talk a little bit about. Um, uh, so you went to school for um, computer science. Can you talk a little bit about just kind of like your background, what kind of stuff got you interested in doing that? And uh, um, we do have a lot of people who listen who are thinking about getting into the industry and everything like that. So maybe could you talk a little bit about just kind of where you where you came from as far as um, your, your, your uh, coding background and how that led to us? Yeah, sure. So, so as funny as it sounds, I think I really got my first... Uh, 
you know, dipped my feet in the water first with programming, got interested in it back in high school with uh, a game called Minecraft. So that was just coming out at the time. And uh, it was, you know, this simple game. I'm sure you guys know about it. I still play it. Simple block game where you just can build and destroy things. And that's at that point, that was it. There weren't that many like mobs or like things to do other than just build and explore. Um, And I started with my friends uh, just playing like on my laptop. And, you know, we as we started to play more frequently, we wanted to... um, have a server running that we could all play together uh all at once and that got me into you know hosting servers and into the world of the internet and playing around with all of that um and as we got more and more into it we started uh exploring plugins for minecraft so like little add-ons that we could add to the game to make our own functionalities like uh little mini games and whatnot um and that really like sparked my interest mm-hmm. um, in programming. Uh, we didn't really have a program to do that in high school, <laughs> so it was really just like me and some friends after school playing around and trying to learn Java uh, <laughs> after, <laughs> after hours. Um, but yeah, so after that, I uh, went to school in uh, upstate New York, uh, Union College, great little uh, school in Schenectady. Mm-hmm. Um, some friends who went there actually yeah, yeah not too yeah, far from where time. i went to school right around the corner <laughs> yeah suny albany <laughs> yeah um yeah and i i sort of i didn't really know what i wanted to do um so i took some art classes took some computer science classes took some engineering classes and uh really fell in love with programming um uh at that time i was kind of getting into uh 3d printing and one of my intro CS um, professors was also really into 3D printing and research and heard that I had a 3D printer in my freshman dorm in college <laughs> and pulled me aside and was like, hey, I'm doing some research with 3D printing. Um, at that time, he was doing some uh, neural network uh, research, so trying to create a 3D printer that could design things for you you know so you could tell it what you wanted to create as opposed to giving it an object and it could learn and teach itself essentially how to print that um so you're basically the first terminator yeah you know (laughs) (laughs) if it worked well um we were printing little uh little silicone or silicon robots uh that wiggled around so nothing nothing too crazy but (laughs) (laughs) the first but they all start somewhere yeah, but after I after I started doing some of that research with him, um, that really pulled me into the CS world full time, um, and got me to commit to the major, and um, that's really how I how I got. Nice, yeah. So I mean, it seems like a pretty smooth path forward, and uh, you know, you got some pretty cool toys along the way. Uh, for me, you know, my my journey was a bit more of a stumble to get into uh, ghostery. You know, I had quite a quite a few different jobs before getting here but um in terms of like uh was this your first job like fresh out of school or um was this something that uh you know you just kind of found uh you know after looking for jobs like what what made you kind of uh look to ghostery uh other than just the the paycheck um because you know when i was searching for (laughs) for jobs at first it was very much i was like all right who's gonna pay me but then once i you know, came across Ghostery. is like, this is a company that I actually believe in and want to work for. Oh, and they're going to give me a paycheck too. So it was like a best of both worlds. 
Yeah, so so after college, I was actually doing um, some technology consulting. Uh, so I was working for this small company in uh, in Westchester, New York, uh, doing all sorts of, you know, everything from cabling a new building to building out a little database server for uh, for you know uh, an eyeglasses company that had a few offices and needed to sync prescriptions. Um, <laughs> between their different offices um so i was like you know doing maybe 20 percent of my time was actually programming and the rest was setting up things working with the clients to figure out what they actually need um and uh doing you know installs and whatnot and uh when i had started that job don't get me wrong i loved it i loved all of the coworkers that i that i had there and i still am close with them to this day but i realized I wasn't committing enough time to programming as I wanted to. Um, so I started to look for something else. And at that time, I was playing around with a programming language called Go. Um, and I was really excited by it, um, really excited about getting to work with it. So I started looking for companies that had an infrastructure built on that system. And that's actually what led me to Ghostery. Um, oh, cool. so it was more so the opportunity to get to work with these new tools that I didn't have the opportunity at my previous, um, work, but ghostry also, as soon as I, you know, started to read about the company and started to start the interview process, I realized, you know, had the kind of culture that I was looking for as well. You know, um, this really like core, um, passion for privacy and security, um, that I had, you know, working at my previous, uh, company, that was a lot of what we did, um, day to day was, you know, set up security systems, set up, uh, compliance and privacy for these small businesses that didn't have the, uh, have the knowledge or opportunity to really do it themselves. And what ghostery is doing is that, but for the consumer, you know, mm -hmm. um, so that really, uh, stuck with me and, made me really excited to to interview and ultimately um get me to where i am now did you have that. any sort of uh so privacy and security implications for a company that you're helping to get functioning in the in the world but did you personally have any sort of privacy or security you know feelings where are you a, a closet tinfoil hat wearing uh person like some <laughs> of some of the folks at ghostry or are you kind of like you know aware that it was happening and it was just kind of a thing or what what kind of privacy uh feelings do you have prior yeah, to ghostry I, I would definitely say that i'm leaning more towards the the tinfoil hat group of, of ghostry um i think i've always just had like a vague um vague concern about how all these technologies that we were getting for free, you know, affect, affect us. Like what, what the, uh, you know, what's the catch kind of thing. Yeah. But, um, until working with ghostry and really like diving into what actually, um, goes on under the hood and like how this data can actually affect me, you know, I just, I kind of had that just vague worry. Right. Um, I think most developers do actually, cause they have just a little bit more, I think they have a, a deeper knowledge and a deeper understanding of not so much what is happening, but the the possibilities. Like it's like you know, 
I can see that this isn't happening, but man, this really could go left real quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah, know? And, like and take, nothing- take a turn at a fork in a road. It could just go. It could just go downhill real quick. So I feel like most developers, if they aren't leaning towards the tinfoil hat, they will be soon if they start to work at a place where they can start to see some of this stuff actually happening. Yeah, nothing in in life is free, you know. So you always right. have to you always have to think if there's a company that really doesn't even offer you know a paid option and they're not they're not trying to to get subscribers and make money in a direct and clear way you know you're giving something up yeah Um, absolutely so yeah yeah the free internet it really is not that free (laughs) there is a cost uh, unfortunately but uh we shouldn't assume that there is always going to be a cost that's what we're out here hopefully uh you know trying to, to to fight um but uh, you know, you had mentioned uh, something about our, our culture here at Ghostery, and that's something that we actually didn't get to talk a lot about during the season. But we do have a very uh, awesome group of people that we get to work with. Uh, and, you know, not only do we all tend to believe in our mission as a company, but we also tend to just like, you know, like to believe and support, you know, each other and ourselves. And uh, that's something that I think goes a long way. And kind of in that vein, I did see that you just got yourself a new camper uh for your car uh i don't <laughs> what, what like what's the technical name for that is it a pop top like what like what did you get um you know it's a it's a car tent i don't car, know car i don't know if it has a real name but it's one of those little pop-up tents that sits on top of my small subaru that's way too small to hold this giant tent <laughs> um working on getting a getting a little uh toyota tacoma to to fit under it a little bit better but um yeah no i I mean i've always loved camping Mm -hmm. and uh and i i am normally a uh a backpack kind of camper you know Mm -hmm. um but in this in these new times uh it's camping has become one of the like you know more viable options to kind of escape this Mm -hmm. this new reality for a little bit um, it's nice to have your house on your back. It's like being a, like a real yeah. snail. You know? Yeah, and, no, and having having that set up like lets me get you know people who wouldn't otherwise come with me camping to to come and and do it with me. You know, um, that's true. Have you spent a spent a night in it yet? Is it comfortable? Uh, so I have not. I just got it a couple weeks ago. Um, I'm moving out of my apartment right now, so I haven't had much time to go, but. I have I have hung out in it for a little bit just to see. You take naps. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> you, just, yeah. you don't even have to like move out of Brooklyn really now. You could just bring your car down and just drive around and just avoid you know opposite side of the street uh, cleaning days. And <laughs> then there say. you go. You yeah. got until it snows. Just hot until spot. Until it snows, you then, don't have to move all that. Yeah, you're you're good. You don't even need to pay rent anymore. Uh, do you have any national parks world. or anything that you that you want to hit up with it, or like do you have a anywhere you want to go right away? Um, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to make it up to Maine and go to Acadia again. That was, uh, I went there a couple, a couple years ago. Um, it's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. That, I think is my, is my step one. Um, I just got back a couple weeks ago from, uh, the newest national park. Um, uh, what's it called? Um, Indiana Dunes, which just opened up, which is really beautiful. Huh. Um, right out, maybe an hour South of Chicago. Nice. Um, Highly recommend if you guys are looking for uh, for something to do. Oh, always outside. For, yeah, right now uh, that's like kind of all I'm looking for. Uh, you know, always looking for something to do. Uh, that's why I've actually recently started uh, 
rock climbing um, a lot more actively. Uh, I'm no good, but it's uh, you know still still a lot of fun. Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I was just asking if he's been climbing indoors or uh... indoor. Yeah, I'm far far too weak right now to do anything outdoor. Um, and like I, my grip strength is usually what what just goes like right away. Like I within the first like hour and a half, then I'm I'm pretty pretty wiped for the day. Um, earlier we were talking about you know how you got into your uh, career here at Ghostry. Um, and you know uh sounds like you've done quite a bit since you've come on board uh how has your like role changed since you've come on board and like what's that evolution uh kind of been like because you know uh like you said you you came on board to start using tools that you kind of were less familiar but now you're in this uh, more senior position where you have a lot of people kind of uh working with you and kind of uh reporting to you so um what's that evolution been like for you and uh do you ever miss any aspects of your old job or do you appreciate uh where your kind of your new direction's going yeah so um so we were in this like really kind of pivotal time at ghostery when i first uh joined which was really exciting uh it was an exciting time to be here uh so this was right before um we had any paid products Mm -hmm. you know so this was just as we were trying to start working on the subscription plus subscription at the time was the only one that we were we were working on so is this what ghostery Um, seven eight yeah i think it was the beginning of eight beginning of yeah i think we were we were amidst the seven yeah we were i think eight was the first release that we had plus in if i if i'm correct yep yep um yeah so so at that time i i came on and was just working on that infrastructure side of things trying to get us ready to accept payments for the first time um and yeah and that was all you know uh working in go working on the infrastructure building out our our payment api um and then Google announced um, their uh, Manifest V3 soon after joining, um, which, for those of you who don't know, is uh, a new manifest where they explain what APIs are available um, for Chrome extensions. One of the things that they removed was uh, the ability to block uh, network requests in the way that we do it in um in the ghostry extension currently uh they have not removed it yet but they plan on removing this uh the biggest thing for us is that it it doesn't allow us to do the the type of blocking that we used to be able to do um we could still block trackers and ads but we're um we're at the mercy of chrome's uh algorithm to handle the blocking itself so we don't have as much fine-grained control as we want um so at that point we you know kind of kicked into high gear onto what um solutions we could have to keep the level of privacy and protection that ghostery has um for years to come and at that time we had a little uh desktop app prototype um which turned into midnight um and we we decided after Manifest V3 that this was one of the best ways that we can can get the the same fine level uh, tracking and blocking experience that you have in the extension today um, moving forward for years to come. Uh, So we started to like really heavily um, 
put engineering time into that. Uh, and at that point there was only one engineer working on it, you know, uh, 10% of his time, 20% of his time. Um, and, uh, as we started to work on it more, it became, you know, then it was him and myself, um, Patrick at the time and myself, uh, and then, you know, kind of spiraled into this full-time position, building out a new team. Uh, and uh, now here we, here we are today, you know, uh, it kind of all happened very quickly. Um, I don't think there was, you know, it was kind of a reaction, but we had always had, we had always had this in the back of our minds at Ghostry. Well, you guys at the time, because I was pretty new. Yeah. I mean, this um, product has been floating around for at least seven years and it was just, you know, Ghostry was always kind of, you know, a secondary to a, to a larger plan in a different company. And now that it's a company and we're trying to be the product, um, it finally just made sense. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely where it needs to be um, as far as in the suite of products and it's, it's a great product and it's, I know it's still in its infancy, even, even today, you know, of where, where it will be and where it wants to be. So. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I didn't actually know the origin story to midnight. Um, you know, when I came back to the company, it was just a product that we had there, you know? Yeah. It was just like, <laughs> it was just there. And then uh, I just remember like coming back for the interview too and seeing midnight. I was like, Oh look, this is, this is new. This was not here. And I was just like, cool. They made something new. Uh, and you know, I just never, more logos. Yeah. I just never gave it thought. I was just like, <laughs> Oh, why did, you know, like how did this come to be? But now I know. So yeah. Thanks. And, and that's not, you know, that's not the only reason that, uh, that midnight came into fruition. It was some, it was, that was something that pushed us to, to prioritize yeah. it. Um, yeah. and you know, create a team to, to focus on this, uh, full time. And now it's one of our, you know, premier products that we offer but there's a lot of other you know great reasons why and, and really valuable reasons to have uh this type of blocking and protection system-wide um mm -hmm. you know because as uh so so midnight's actually a good example of this um it's based on this uh open source platform called electron mm -hmm. uh, which is based on google chrome uh it's essentially a way to run javascript um locally as like a native application on your computer um so what it did was allow us to very rapidly create um this app that is multi-platform you know you could run it on your mac and you can run it on your windows machine um with you know the majority of the code base shared between those two platforms um but what it also does is because it allows you to run javascript on a native application, um, a lot of these, a lot of other companies, you know, who like Ghostry, we build extensions and and websites, and we're we're very JavaScript heavy in terms of our engineering department. It was really easy for us to transition existing engineers into the desktop space. Um, a lot of other companies now are using Electron um, or JavaScript based native applications now um, which means that all of these trackers and all of these uh all of these pixels you know that are that are tracking you on your browser right now it's really easy to integrate those into native applications right so as spotify moves to a desktop application or youtube moves to a desktop application or netflix or whatever you know 
any of these companies, it's really easy for them to integrate these tracking and ads and analytics software uh, that already exists today on your browser into these other apps. Um, so it was important for us to be able to create a software that could monitor those applications and continue to protect you from those existing trackers and, and ads um, as they migrate away from the browser onto your uh, system in other applications. Nice. Um, that's a really yeah. good. Um, so, oh no, um, no, it's just nice to know that you know we've been thinking about future proofing uh, our existing tech, you know, well, well in advance, and uh, doing so uh, in a quite a robust manner. Um, and thank you, you know, for putting all that context together. Because now I, you know, even though I've been a part of the company for the past what, oh my god, nine nine months now again. Um, you know that really paints a holistic picture of like what we're trying to accomplish and and you know uh, what the what the end goal here is, and it's something that you know I truly uh, really respect because you know when I first came on board the only reason I was originally using Ghostery was because I wanted to block ads um, and you know uh, not to name names but uh, part of my last company uh, 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 as part of my role as my last company um, we would onboard people for like SSO and other um, applications that were actually built on Electron as well. So you, uh, you know, mentioning this and, and uh, you know, seeing how people can now inject, you know, trackers into these apps uh, really helps me understand, like, why it is so important uh, to do what we're doing and, you know, that uh, that we're taking the steps to, you know, do this well into the future for the years to come, um, you know, regardless of the Metavest uh, V3 coming from the big G. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, Big <laughs> thanks for, uh, you know, doing, doing the work you do and, and that awesome explanation. Cause now I feel like a lot more educated on the, on the subject matter than I had, you know, uh, 20 minutes ago. So, <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to, um, talk a little bit. So you used the term open source. One of the questions that we had, uh, kind of had for Frank was just, you know, like what kind of open source tools do we use? But we, we already touched on that, but I was more curious about, um, how you feel like the importance of open source and code, you know, how does that, how does it play a role in the, your development cycle is when we're either building a new product or if we're having new features that we want to, to implement, do we, how do we look towards open source code and just open source and code in general? as far as uh, Ghostry is concerned. Yeah, so I mean, you know, you could look at the importance of, of open source software from, from a couple ways. You know, one, it, it wouldn't be possible to create the applications that we've created without the help from all of these wonderful open source tools that we use. You know, Electron's one example, um, but, you know, there's React and, you know, the languages themselves and, you know, you could, there, there's a, there's, an endless amount of, of reliance on third-party open source um, products in the ecosystem. We would not be able to create what we create without them. Um, so just in terms of that, uh, it, it allows you know a small team like ours uh, to build something really robust and, and complicated uh, in a way that we wouldn't be able to do um, otherwise. But also from the you know privacy and security standpoint, it's it's valuable to be able to have some third parties be able to look at and verify your code, you know? Um, so with the extension, it's important that our users are able to look at it and say, okay, this is exactly what it's doing. You know, um, we're showing you exactly what's running under the hood. Uh, 
we're not doing anything nefarious. Um, so it's, it's valuable from, from both sides. Um, and, you know, as I say that midnight to the, to, as, as of now is not open source yet, but we're, we're always looking towards, um, towards that goal as a general, in general. Um, and as we, you know, uh, get further along, I'm sure you'll be seeing more, uh, more pieces of, of our ecosystem become open source. How, how hard is it to like, it was a big deal for us to finally get the browser extension to be open source to the point that we actually threw a party in Texas. Um, cause everything is bigger in Texas. So that's why we did that. Um, no, but, um, what, what kind of, can you talk a little bit about the steps that you have to go through in order, in order for a product to actually become open source? Is it just, is it just signing on the dotted line or is there a certain, certain hoops you have to jump through as far as like code preparedness or structure or anything like that? Yeah. So what's, I, I mean, you could, you know, release anything open source tomorrow if you wanted to, if legal, if legal signed off and, and everything was, you know, good from a, a business side. And I can't really speak to that. Um, that's not, you know, my area, but you won't really get much benefit from having an open source product if you just release it, um, you know, if you if you just release it and don't also release an entire ecosystem around building that application, you know. Um, so one one important thing when and the extension was released open source before I was here, so I can't give you like a, a really full story of that process. But um, one of the biggest things is you know making sure that we have uh, good enough documentation so that people who want to contribute actually um, use it <laughs> are actually able to do it, you know, because these are very complicated and large applications and it's very difficult to jump in, you know? So how often do you so get one of the big jumping in? Yeah. So, um, on the extension, we, we get fairly, fairly often we get people, um, commenting and, and submitting, uh, submitting requests and, and feedback, um, based on the code. Uh, I wish we, uh, I wish we had a little more open source community in terms of actual development. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's really hard to, it's hard to cultivate a, an open source community behind building a product, a product. Um, one of the things, you know, you really, you really need to do is, is kind of open source, uh, your development flow. Um, and that's one thing that we're, we're still kind of working on doing here at Ghostry, um, is we, you know, we use Jira, mm -hmm. um, as our, as our ticket system, uh, which is like, you know, us engineers in Ghostry working on, you know, the function A, you know, <laughs> yeah. we have a ticket in our, in our Jira that says what we need to do and how we could approach it. And, you know, we move it along there. Um, but you don't really have great insight on uh, outside of the company on what's going on in terms of the active development. Uh, so one of the things that, you know, we're, I would like to see in the future, and I think we've always been, you know, wanting to do this more is, is open source that side of things, you know, um, so that the community could see what's being worked on or what needs to be worked on and actually um, better contribute to those, uh, those features. Um, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to, to get involvement in that way if it's not really easy to jump in on, on tickets like that. 
Yeah, it sounds like an incredibly hard process to yeah. manage and just like streamline. Like, to yeah, I mean, <laughs> open source contribution becomes a, a job in and of itself, you know. Um, and a lot of reasons, you know, why Midnight or not my Midnight, sorry, but the extension is open source is to allow, you know, auditing and uh, verification of what we do. Um, yeah. Do uh, do you know of any other projects that are making use of Ghostory's open source like code base, or or um, that's like leveraging it um, in a way that we don't use it, or is there like a, like anyone out there just kind of like that you that you're aware of like picking and playing with kind of like what we do in in, in a legal way? Yeah. So um, one good example of that is our um, ad blocking software. Uh, so, so Remy over at, over at Clicks um, built this incredible uh, ad blocking library uh, that is, that is very, that's our, our core ad blocking library in, um, in the extension. And that is uh, packaged as its own little product, open source, um, as a library that a lot of uh, companies um, have used for their own software. That's uh, pretty cool. And even if they haven't used that, it's been it's been a heavily like influenced um, other other ad blockers. So you know, uh, Brave, for example, has this Rust-based um, ad blocker that was heavily inspired by the code that was written for uh, Ghostry's ad blocker. Ah, I did not know that, and I used Brave for quite a while. Yeah, so it's not it's not the same code because they rewrote it for. Um, in Rust as opposed to JavaScript, and then mm -hmm. I'm sure they've made a lot of changes. Um, but the the algorithm itself is is heavily based off of ours. Just for uh, my own knowledge, like uh, in in like, I guess like ten seconds or whatever. But like, what's uh, the difference between like Rust and like I'm more familiar with uh, JS, but like I'm not sure what Rust actually does, either better or worse than than JS. Yeah. So so Rust is a. Uh, is a compiled uh, systems language, so it's much more lower level. So JavaScript, you run, um, it's interpreted. So it means that like as you run the code, each line gets read into a interpreter, translated into whatever it needs to be translated into, and then executed. Um, with Rust, uh, it is compiled, so you take your code and you turn it into bytecode prior to actually executing it. Um, it means that it runs um, a little closer to, or a lot closer to like native um, code. So it's a little, could be a little faster, um, but it's not as, uh, as portable as JavaScript. Um, so JavaScript can be run on you know, you don't need to know much about your underlying system mm -hmm. uh, to send somebody a piece of JavaScript. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, and that's without going into too many <laughs> too many details. That's like kind of the the high level main difference. Gotcha. Do you prefer uh, one over the other, or just like is it just really familiarity? Uh, when it, it really depends on what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. You know, um, if you're trying to release a an extension um, for your browser, you know, you're going to want to use, um, you're going to want to look towards, you know, TypeScript, JavaScript. Um, there's now WebAssembly, which is uh, 
which allows you to write those types of things in uh, compiled languages like Rust. Um, but if you're running like, you know, for example, uh, Midnight, uh, we have a proxy that runs on your system that inspects all of the network traffic as it leaves and enters your machine. Um, that has to be really, really fast, really efficient, um, really small. Uh, and because we're, you know, we have to inspect every single connection on your computer um, as they as they leave, you know, concurrently, you also need really good um, parallelism, right? So you need to be able to look at 100 connections at the same time. Um, so when you start getting into, like, you know, those kinds of uh, problems, then you start looking towards uh, a language that can support it, you know, so you start looking at something like Go or Rust or something that's more native, um, can be compiled down and has, uh, has parallelism built in, you know, um, so yeah, it's, it's really, and we use all, you know, we use all of these, um, mm -hmm. at Ghostry, just depending on what's best for the, uh, the problem that we're trying to solve. Gotcha. Yeah, I didn't realize that we had uh, such a deep uh, tech stack here at the at Ghostery. I mean, I knew we had quite a, quite a few tools at play, and but I wasn't sure uh, as to like how many different uh, languages and everything that were actually at play behind the scenes. So, I, I'm always curious, and I like to learn more uh, about it. So to me, it's super relevant and interesting. Uh, actually, it reminds me of this uh, this dev blog post I read the other day actually about this video game I've been playing called Valorant and how they established their 128 tick servers um, but uh, you know uh, that gets way too into the weeds but it's just basically me saying I really like to get into the weeds of the nitty-gritty and, and learn more uh, I find it interesting so you know uh, thanks for for sharing all of that uh, at least to me detailed exciting information uh, um, yeah and um, so, you know, uh, I know we're coming up on time here, but, you know, one thing we've always been talking about on almost every podcast is how we're, you know, dealing and coping with uh, COVID-19. If it's not just me and Pete, if it's the, our guests that we're talking to or even just, you know, the students and teachers that we had on um, in previous episodes and how they're uh, adapting to the world. Can uh, you tell us uh, what you're kind of doing to uh, conquer your COVID-19? I did see that you made these awesome desks as well um oh, yeah. so yeah if uh, you know still waiting for mine to be delivered yeah if you want to build a couple more of those you know feel yeah. free but um i kind of i'll send you a box but that's about all i can yeah i can provide i mean i kind of just answered my own glue. question you know telling the people what you did but uh yeah frank has built his uh own desk uh how long did that take you um yeah so so i gotta i gotta give a, a big shout out to uh my future uh, brother-in-law, Steve, um, who who's really the the mastermind behind this uh, this desk project, um, he uh, he got because of COVID. He so he's a grip in the film industry, and, and because of the COVID, they shut down all of the movies um, for the past you know few months. So they haven't been filming at all. And he is a incredible. Uh, woodworker so um he's Hold been on. helping me what does a grip do oh sorry uh no, so because i'm like i always <laughs> see like best boy key grip coffee whatever you know it's like is that just a nice way of saying just 
do whatever we need you to do. Or... No, so so a, a grip is the lighting team. So they uh, do all of the lighting on set. Um, so the best is boy grip is an the... acronym. Um, I don't think no, so. I, I don't but... think so either. G, really important person, <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, but the best boy but... is the main, the in charge of all of the lighting. Key grip is the second in command, and the grips are all the rest of the lighting crew. Yeah. Done. Um, That's all. I, I've always wanted to know that. So, okay, continue. Yeah. So, so he's got this whole woodworking shop set up, and and in his off time, he's been uh, making crazy creations. So, uh, I had, I had asked him about helping me build a desk, thinking that we were going to build, you know, a piece of plywood that we would cut out. Right. And uh, you know, months later, building this uh, beautiful beautiful desk doing uh doing epoxy pours and all this crazy stuff building it so it's a standing desk so it could go up and down automatically um but yeah so a bunch of woodworking a uh, bunch of camping you know um you asked me about the the tent so yep my summer vacation was had vicariously through frank actually he drove across country and did some stuff so my my summer vacation i was just watching his pictures that would looked looked like he was actually doing things it was very nice yeah i think uh, so yeah. far you've socially gotten... all socially distanced you know yes yeah, so only, yeah, well, only uh only in parks with not a lot of other people yeah well the parks they're they're big you can if you see somebody coming a lot like if you see a bear coming you can get out of the way so it's um it was uh yeah that seems like that's a, a nice opportunity and something that maybe some people kind of overlook about about travel and stuff is that you can there are plenty of places you can go and still be alone in the world or at least far away and some of the parks are just downright gorgeous so yeah. get out there and support the national parks because yeah, if you don't support them they won't be there when you get back <laughs> that's the other thing too is you know um my vacations have always been traveling abroad or or mm -hmm. you know flying somewhere or doing this yeah. i never really considered a road trip like that mm. um before now but there's so much to explore you know right in our backyards yeah. oh absolutely um would you do it, another one you think yeah it was the, one of the so i so just to inform the the listeners i i drove out to uh colorado um and stopped at a couple national parks along the way uh and yeah it was just absolutely gorgeous it was the best experience um i've i've had in a very long time uh, and there's just so much beautiful, beautiful scenery to see in the U.S. Um, yeah, and I, I love touched, just as soon know, as you start to get out west a little bit, like the whole the whole country just kind of explodes and like get the colors just come out a little bit more. So it's like as you're driving west, um, usually after Kansas, <laughs> it starts yep. to get really. Uh, <laughs> no offense, Kansas, but um, <laughs> it takes a while to get through it. Um, but just it's amazing just to kind of see like all of a sudden just the ground start to get higher but flatter up top like all the esplanades and just the colors are just amazing and um it's just really pretty we're, we're actually trying to plan something like that for next summer like actually doing a road trip all we used to do that with my family i mean we'd two and a half weeks we would start in new york and we you know we'd get to utah and do like arches and then bryce canyon and all that and just spend two weeks in a you know in a car staring out the window and looking at stuff because we didn't have cell phones or anything like that so i remember listening to uh just 
my yellow Sony portable tape deck <laughs> and just staring out the window. But it was just, that's part of the country you just don't see every day and you just don't realize that it's, it's right here and mm-hmm. you can totally, you can get at it pretty easily without having to jump on an airplane. So it, just some gas and time. That's all it takes. It's <laughs> all anything takes is gas and time. <laughs> that's right. That is deep. That is deep. Um, so uh, one, one other question I was kind of curious about, um, and then we'll let you get back and do some work so that we can all continue with our jobs and, and, and everything. Um, the ideal internet um, in, in your, in your opinion, you know, I, I feel like me personally, there is some sort of level of happy medium that needs to be reached, you know, and I, I kind of feel like that's the mantra that Ghostry goes by as well is that, you know, saying goodbye to advertising isn't going to happen, but there needs to be a way for it to be, you know, mutually beneficial but also you know less invasive into your own personal your your own privacy stance needs to be represented as well so just kind of curious is you know what if you could if you could redraw the internet today what what kind of stuff would you be looking for yeah i mean like you said you know all of these uh that ads and and trackers you know do make the internet uh what it is in in some capacity you know like without without advertising you're not going to be able to um you know no companies are going to be able to get paid nobody's going to be able to find out about them uh the there is some you know benefit to the user in some way uh for uh for a tracker to you know help them discover something you know that they might not have not might not might not have discovered otherwise mm-hmm. uh but a the, level of personalization to what you're yeah. saying you know some people some of it on some websites it makes sense you know like i want you know i don't care that weather knows where i am because i want them to tell me what my weather is like when i open up my app you know that that kind of personalization and stuff like that but like you know the the uh going to a, the website for the very first time and all of them already all of a sudden know exactly everything about me to the what colors I like on my shirts and shirt size and shooting like all that kind of stuff. That stuff that kind of tailors one website to a, a, a pleasurable experience and then another website to a kind of a creepy one. Yeah. And there's, there's no way to, you know, for the average user or to, to know what is being, uh, what is being collected or what this data is being used for. Um, so even if like, you know, it's, it's helping me, discover this new pair of jeans that I didn't know I wanted and now know that I want, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it could be sold to a third party that's used for something that I, that I don't like, um, uh, or used for something that is, uh, that could hurt, you know, me in when I go to get my next, uh, you know, insurance or something like that, you know? Uh, so yeah, I mean, in a, in a perfect world, all of the, the, data usage would be uh would have to get consent first you know um and be very upfront about that uh what what data i am allowing you to collect and who you're selling it to and what that will get used for um retention policies are important too you know like how long will this this thing that you've collected on me affect yeah that's a good point affect me um you know maybe i looked up something personal about my health and now that's you know on my google profile uh for the rest of my life you know right 
Um, yeah, so I think I think the the biggest thing for me is like insight into what is being collected and a way to knowingly opt out, um, which I don't think we we have nearly enough of right now. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with that. Cool. Well, again, Frank, thanks for taking the time out of your day to to chat with us on this podcast this podcast experiment which again episode 10 so this is the end of of this of this series um and again the our our gift to you and to say thanks is uh yeah half off the premium ghostry experience for life uh, for life for your entire life so use episode 10 all one word and the number 10 uh at checkout and uh we appreciate it, but this is um, this is going to wrap up season one for us. We're going to come back with season two. We might do a little holiday special to talk about um, just kind of the tracking that goes on when you're shopping for gifts and whatnot. We've been thinking that that's um, there's a lot going on right now. There's a lot of people trying to collect a lot of data, and this is a time not only the fact that we're all sitting at home and and spending more time on our devices, but this is the time of season when people start to really ramp up their holiday shopping. And um, we should there's some tips and tricks. So we're going to do a, a little holiday follow up there um, next month. Uh, and this is actually, if I have my days correct, if we're not in some weird black hole of time which we are anyway this this episode will be coming out in october and october is uh cybersecurity awareness month um and so we're going to be putting out an ebook that um kind of talks a little bit about um you know why should you care that the internet knows who you are and just some tips and tricks and stuff like that so keep an eye open for that um if you're interested in that go to ghostry.com and there'll be uh, a link on that and um but the the concept of knowing that you're being tracked is probably more important than being, being tracked that you, you need to know that this is happening and there are some tools out there that can help you stay a little bit safer online. Um, Ghostry does have a full suite of that again, premium products, episode 10 coupon code. Uh, if you would like to uh, jump down that rabbit hole with us, uh, we'd love to have you along with us. So um, again, Frank, thanks for hanging out. Thank you very much. Bronze. See you next season. Quite yeah, a ride. What are you going to do with your with your break? I'm thinking of you know, time travel. Yeah, same here. <laughs> with um, the time off, it was looking good too. I'm probably um, going to go back to 2019 and then just uh, go snowboarding for a couple months. But, there you go. <laughs> yeah, just hit, go back, hit pause, do some stuff, and then reboot. <laughs> yeah, and we'll we'll try to do that. So, so again, so again, thank you all. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> just start start off a little start off a little bit differently, I think. But um, but thank you all for for joining us this season. We truly appreciate it. We got some we got some great feedback. Um, a bunch of y'all are listening, so we're gonna keep yapping away um, until until 2021 happens and we'll just i can't even begin to see where we are yes, what's, yeah. what's gonna happen we'll, we'll um, so should be an interesting ride but uh again please be good to each other and um stay safe out there and we will see you all on the next one